welcome to Let's Talk Church. I'm Brian. And I'm Matt. We're here to talk about all that is going on in the church world. In this podcast, we find blog posts, articles, and vicious rumors about the church world, and we talk about it. All right, Matt, let's do it. Let's talk church. Okay, well then, welcome to Let's Talk Church uh, with uh, with me, Brian, and uh, my friend Matt. Uh, we're a couple of uh, easygoing guys that just want to talk about what's going on in the church world. Um, Matt, you want to say hello? I'm not sure who you call an easygoing around here. <laughs> well, some of us are. Uh, some of us, some of us count as easygoing. Right. I don't think I count as easygoing. I think I'm easily excitable. We're going to talk about some yeah. stories about that today here. Uh, you know, on our list of questions here, we got, why are we here? I'll tell you why I'm here. Uh, we've been talking about doing a podcast a long time and what we could do a podcast on, you know, that sort of thing. I think this is cool because we talk about church all the time. Yep. Uh, Brian and I have been uh, involved in the church. We've served in ministry. We've uh, worked in businesses together. And uh, we've had different experiences. So I think we have some unique perspectives to share. Uh, as this goes along, we're going to talk about all kinds of things in the church world in general. One of the things we both really appreciate is that there is a lot of diversity in the church world. And there's a lot of different ways, a lot of different folks look at things. Uh, we don't have to always agree with everything, uh, but it's always interesting for us to uh, share views and see how other folks do stuff. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, what we're really trying to please is the Lord. Yep. Yep. Uh, and that, folks, is why I told Matt that he should do the intro and not me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he uh, he likes uh, likes to introduce and tell a lot more about what we've got going. Um, so, Matt, just recently, you um, just recently took a new job. You've uh, moved on and uh, things are going well for you. We were just visiting about that. Uh, anything else going on that uh, that I don't know about necessarily? Well, there's things you know about, but I'll share with our listeners here. Uh, you know, our family just recently joined a new church. Um, so I'm pretty yeah. happy about that. You know, one of the things with joining a new church is uh, we're looking around right now about, you know, where can we serve in that church? Where's where's best for us to, to serve? Uh, in the past, I've been on staff at churches and been in leadership, and I have no intention of being on leadership at this church. Um, enjoying that part of my life right now to, to not be uh, kind of under pressure for that. Right. I, I love the Lord to death and I want to find a way to serve though. And uh, I, I love the church in general. So I want to serve uh, the fellow Christians. This church will, will afford us a place to serve. It's just a matter of where the Lord's leading. So right. we're definitely praying about that right now. That's awesome. Well, my, uh, um, my textbooks for my first graduate classes showed up today. So I get to start prepping for that. That's going to start on the 23rd of August. I will be doing my first set of Greek classes. Greek so, classes. Yeah. This means that you get to you get to do Greek references and sermons and actually know what you're talking about. I actually huh? know what I'm talking about, yeah. Uh, that's going to be a, a lot of fun. I'm sure it will come up in this podcast more than once. Um as we talk about some of these different articles and topics that uh, that we're going to find, um, so one of the things that we're that we're going to be doing um, through this podcast is just selecting 
some pretty popular websites and magazines and things in the Christian world, particularly uh, the American Christian world, um, and just talking about what's going on. Um, not necessarily news, although I'm sure we'll talk news at some point. Um, just things that are out there that people are reading that are having an impact on everyone that's, that's reading them on Christianity in, in America. Uh, and we want to make sure that we're you know, aware of it and, and get our voices in the mix, at least uh, for the few people that, that want to follow us and listen to what we've got to say. I mean, I figure our biggest listeners will be me and you as we'll critique it. Oh, did you hear why I said that? All right. Uh, if I'm lucky, my mama might listen, but I doubt she listens to the whole thing. Yeah. Bye, Mom. <laughs> so let's let's just talk church. Sound like a plan? That sounds like a plan. So we've, we've picked out three articles uh, for this week. Um, hopefully we can get all three of them in. Um, any particular order you want to go in? Oh, right here, right here, Brian, we got to put in the normal, uh, we'll put links to these articles in the show notes. Yes, there you go. Yeah, we'll, now we we'll sound like it. professional podcasters. That's right. My goodness. Um, I see you made some notes here. I'm super impressed, Mr. Educated here. I like this notes business. Um, why don't we just start at the top then? Let's start with your uh, Zodiac story oh, here. Oh, man. That one, uh, that's a, yeah, that's a fun one. Um, it came from uh, Christianity.com, so pretty popular website that gets lots of traffic every day. Um, we've got a author that has written a, I, I would assume it's just a blog post in this case, uh, titled, Is Knowing My Zodiac Sign a Sin? Yeah. Fun times. Uh, well, let me let me say something before we get delve into the story. Yeah. Let me tell you about the story itself here. Right. I feel like this article is written to to achieve a minimum number of words. This sounds like something I would have written in high school because I needed to make sure I had enough words. I could yep. take this whole article and ignore the first half, yep. and it wouldn't change anything the article says. Yeah. Between between that and SEO. There was a lot of SEO type phrases that people would, would be searching for. So Brian, both you and I are, are geeks. Let's yep. let's if let's assume we had some actual listeners out there. Yeah. What what for our listeners who, who don't, you know, uh, sit in a computer for forty hours a day, what is SEO? Uh, search engine optimization. Things that you search for in Google uh, get tagged on different websites and the way things are phrased. Um, make those tags easier. And so why would we want to put SEO? Why would we apply the concepts of SEO to a website? Why do I care where I'm listed in Google? Because that's where everyone goes. Everyone goes to Google and just types in what are the zodiac signs or uh, how many zodiac signs are there? And those are answered very well in this article. It does. It does. She lists, she lists out about the 12 zodiac signs and the and the four different, uh, what are they called? The four different groups Elements. they're in? Yep. Elements. Um, but yeah, there, there's ads. And this website uses ads. Yeah. And they're trying to get people there to click ads. Yep. Um, by the way, this is an ad-free podcast. 
mainly because nobody wants to invest in us. This is our first podcast after all. But this is an ad-free podcast today. Yep, there it is. If you'd like to buy an ad, hey, we can talk. But we know that probably won't happen. And you'd be surprised. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah, let's, let's talk about the points of this article. Um, sure. You can go and read it yourself at the, uh, the link in the description if, uh, if you want. Uh, but you're going to get most of it right here. So um, the first thing that I, you know, uh, kind of picked out is it, she does do a good job of explaining what the Zodiac is, um, how each specific Zodiac sign um, has positives and negatives and strengths and weaknesses and personality traits associated with it. Um, and goes into how it affects, you know, attitude and uh, behavior. What do you think about that, Matt? Well, I think, as she makes a point later on, that it's a classic example of you can lead people into saying, oh, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. You know, uh, I'm kind of jumping ahead on the article here, but that's her overall point is that anybody can identify with any of these things mm-hmm. you know sometimes I'm up sometimes I'm down uh, sometimes I think I'm creative sometimes I think I'm gentle sometimes I think I'm not gentle you know right it, it's that wishy-washy everybody type thing everybody fits every one of these at some point in their life but look it's kind of fun ain't it I don't know if I'd say fun I mean it's but you know I'm a boring uh, academic. So what do you what do you what do I have to say? Um, <laughs> but I mean, I remember as a kid asking my mom. She would be like, "Oh, I'm read the horoscopes in the paper. I'm just gonna check the horoscopes." And I'm like, "Oh, what's my horoscope?" Right. Oh, well, you're a Capricorn, so your horoscope be da da da. Oh, okay, cool. I don't know that I believed it. This was well before I, I, I was saved, and well before I knew anything about doctrine or things like that. I was just a kid and was told these things. Um. So I think a lot of people don't take this as their religion per se, but they find it as a fun thing. So what harm could come from a fun thing? Well, when you, she does get into the article uh, further on that uh, astrology in particular, um, and we can get into other things that connect to this as well. Astrology in particular is a form of divination, right? It's seeking to know knowledge that is unknowable by means that are outside of God's will, right? That in and of itself makes it a big deal. It makes it a problem. Uh, you're specifically choosing to go outside of of God's grace, God's mercy, God's plan, God's design to get to something that doesn't belong to you, right? Because most, while there are those few people that, like you, you know, as a kid, you know, oh, it's funny, ha ha ha, go on about your day. There are those people that even Christians take these and live their life based on that. Yeah. Yep. That becomes a serious problem. You know... I used to hear this old saying in church, everybody's got a God-sized hole in their heart. And I know that's kind of a hokey, hokey thing, but buddy, that's what you're describing right there. Because we're going to fill it with something. 
Yep. Everybody has an internal need for God. We were created right. by a creator, right? Mm-hmm. And we were created. Our whole reason for creation was to have a relationship with this creator. Right. And if we if we ain't careful, we'll fill that with something else. And we see that in other avenues of life too. We're talking about a spiritual thing here. But you know, emotional and things like that, sometimes we have emotional needs. And if we don't find a way to deal with those things, we'll fill them with other things. That's often a common cause of drug addiction, right? Right. Um, It's that, you know, man, things have gone really bad. I feel bad for a lot of drug addicts because honestly, they've had a, a lot of bad things happen often. And that's often what led to the drug addiction in the first place is they we're trying to feel something, you know, and it's the same thing spiritually. We'll feel if, if we don't keep that, 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 that relationship with God, we'll feel it with something else. And that's where the fun becomes a problem. This can be not fun when you're feeling it with what should be a spiritual thing with the Lord. Right. And you're, you're supposed, you're putting this in place of God and you're attributing things. And you said something else that I thought was very interesting, but kind of disturbing is you mentioned about it's knowledge we're not supposed to have. It's finding out things and stuff. By saying that, you are implying that it's possible that this could be real. It's possible that there is something real that could be happening instead of it just being completely hogwashed. That it's possible there's some sort of spiritual side of things that we need to stay away from. Absolutely. The, uh, the spiritual world, you know, is around us and it exists. You know, Paul warns us by telling us to put on the armor of God because we're in spiritual battle all of the time, right? Uh, is it Peter that says that the devil prowls around like a, ro- a roaring lion looking to the whom he may devour? You know, it's it's all around us. And part of part of my journey over the last several years has has helped me to see that that just because we've picked out certain things um, and allowed science to jump in and um, make things more natural right does not mean the supernatural has ceased to exist right um, there are gods there are demons right they're all created beings and they're all fallen, right? But they do exist. And it's it's dangerous to play in those waters and not get dragged down. Well, and that's what she's referring to, right? About avoiding that sort of stuff. Right. I think sometimes we go so much into that stuff doesn't really happen that we right. ignore that the Bible tells us to avoid those things. Yep. And that some of this can really lead down bad, bad things. So overall, while I think the author could have written a great article in half the number of words, yeah. I think she makes a great point. Yeah. Let, let me ask you this. Um, and and this, you know, first episode, controversy, right? What about the Enneagram? Or... I knew I should have clicked on that link. Yeah, you, you probably should have. Uh, or... Um, any other form of I mean even just personality tests that tell you this is who you are right 
doesn't tell you who you are. It tells you who you are the day you take the test, right? Or the day that you put it all together. Um, but the Enneagram has been around for centuries. Um, Tell us, d define for our viewers what that is. The Enneagram is the nine pointed, um, the nine line drawings. Um, it's it's Aenea and Gram, Greek words. Uh, there's a nice long, long article in the Christian Research Journal, uh, particularly about it from 2009, uh, that explains the history of it, where it comes from, it's every person in the world fits into one of these nine points and it's it's very it's become popularized as a personality type of uh, uh, thing I don't know the best word there besides a thing uh, but you got things like peacemaker and reformer and helper and motivator they're all connected to each other in some way or another you've got just like with the zodiacs in this article or talked about um, certain certain types of people you know connect together and certain people don't the enneagram follows the same type of thing dates all the way back to like 2500 bc um, in mesopotamia um, definitely a a problem for, so, for but there's one big difference between enneagram I don't know if I'm saying that right. Uh, between that and zodiac signs, though, there's one significant difference. Okay, what's that? Zodiac signs talk about based on when you were born. You're born under a certain sign, right? And your birthday. So they suppose they can say something about you without it. The enneagram, if I'm correct, is that thing where you take a test, right? And it's how you answer certain questions is where it classifies you, right? So that's more of a judging where you are. You said earlier, it's kind of where you are that day, right? Right. And it's going to have something to do with how honest you mm -hmm. are. Yeah. Um, it's going to have something to do with how honest you are while you're taking the test. Right. Someone who is dishonest would not get a terribly accurate result, right? Mm -hmm. uh, because you got to answer the questions yourself. Might be interesting if someone else answered them about you. But I think that's more of a judgment of where you are and then splitting that into categories than it is just saying, oh, well, you're this way because you were born in a certain place. And I don't know that it's relying on any divination at all. Uh, yeah, I, I dropped uh, I dropped that article in, uh, in our show notes so that we can share it with the users as well. Um, the users, the, the listeners. Um, it's, like I said, it's, it's long. I've read it. A couple of times before uh, when I was working at the bookstore and we had a bunch of Enneagram books around and I sat down and read it and said listen this is a problem there's a there's a lot it is while while yes in today's world it's been attached to a test and things like that the history and the path that it leads to is still the divination and the occult Okay, well now, I've not read this article before this show, right. so just browsing through it, it said something in the article that disturbs me. Uh, it says, finally, the Enneagram's teaching that people can reach a higher level of spirituality through better understanding their type. It's not based on biblical teaching. Of course not. That is 
that's scary. But yep. in the church world, that's now how I've heard of this. And I right. think I've heard of other things similar that weren't called Enneagram. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm associating some of that with it. Um, full disclosure, y'all figure this out. Brian and I have worked with a lot of churches, yep. uh, big and small, in different capacities and different things. So I've been exposed to a lot of church staff. And I've seen churches where they literally have their word or their personality traits, whatever you call these things. Because mm-hmm. I know they don't all use the Enneagram. Some of them are using some other system. Right. Um, some places it's, you know, determining your spiritual gifts type thing. And they, they're going to put them on the door of their offices, you know. Um, but I've never heard it said, this is to reach a higher spiritual understanding or make a different level. Years ago at a church I was at that was super fast growing, um, just exploded. We had a dynamic pastor who was trying to teach us things. <laughs> um, he uh, he had us do a spirituality test. It was not a neogram, a neograms. Right. It wasn't that complicated. It was kind of what are your spiritual gifts? And there was like 150 questions you had to answer. And based on which questions you did, it picks out your this gift or that gift. And again, it's that self-assessment thing. You had to be honest for it to really do. Right. And I think most people were not all that surprised by the results. But in that discussion, we never had any discussion of a higher plane or anything. Right. But he, it was but just he, trying to figure out something about yourself. Yeah, I, I had to do some of those spiritual gifts tests for school and churches and things like that in the past. I, I, I am concerned by those in particular uh, because it's taking uh, taking a spiritual reality and making it an intellectual act right it's it's actually putting things to paper and then doing intellectual analysis on something and saying this is what it is rather than allowing the fruit of the gift to, to express itself, right? I'm with you, but buddy, this is what you and I do all the time. <laughs> this is our favorite thing to do. Uh, yes. Uh, um, but, but it, you know, comes into that, that higher level of knowledge that maybe you're not supposed to just intellectualize and draw out through reason and logic. Because if you're not spiritually mature, Right, then you're not going to be truly experiencing the gifts of the Spirit. Right, So you might be saying, oh yeah, the answer to the question of I'm good at helping people do whatever, right, that turns into a gift of administration. You may think you're good at it, but until the gift actually matures in you, you realize you didn't know anything about it at all. Um, Very true. So it, I, I think it can, it can be useful but at the same time, it can lead people down a path that they're not ready for or that doesn't actually apply to them. And as they grow spiritually more mature, it falls apart. I, I can understand that. You know, that's like a lot of things. You can get a big head about something. Mm-hmm. And when you're talking about spiritual gifts... Spiritual gifts are going to, your spiritual gifts are going to be obvious to the other believers if you're using that spiritual gift. Right. I think some places use these tests to encourage people to think more about that and maybe start using 
their spiritual gifts. You know, um, but I understand we want to we want to stay away from anything that makes us too egotistical. We want to stay humble, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in our introductions, you and I used our first names, but we're talking about church, and we didn't use any titles. Yep. We didn't talk about anything hanging on the wall, right? You know what I'm saying? Um, because we don't want to give too too much of an egotistical impression. Right try to say we're experts in anything we're just two guys talking about stuff right um so i see that point i don't know that these are all bad i don't know enough about the enneagram itself just that one part of the article makes me think oh red flag that seems weird i don't want to do no higher planes thing but in spiritual tests gift test i don't know i don't know how accurate they are like you said it's definitely like how you answer that day and if you're honest Mm-hmm. And I think that some of that changes. And I think our spiritual gifts change as we mature. Maybe we were still gifted the same thing, but we use it in different ways or we learn to actually use our spiritual gift. You right. may have a spiritual gift of administration, but that doesn't mean you're perfect at all administration. That still don't substitute 10 years of running Sunday school. Right. You sure. know? Um, you may have a spiritual gift uh, of, of, of counseling, but that ain't going to make you a great counselor the very first day. Right. You know, or of preaching. That don't mean you're not going to get up there and stumble through your first sermon. Right. You know, yep. um, it's really awkward to stand up behind that pulpit and look out at people and imagine they're in your underwear when you're in the Baptist church. Oh dear. Um, Speaking of Baptist churches, let's, let's move on to Platt. Yeah, we were going to make this whole episode under 30 minutes, and we're at 46. Right. Uh, we can we can talk all night. So, David Platt's church in McLean, is it Virginia? Is that right? Um, I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. Why don't you tell me about that one? You, you found that article. So, y'all, David Platt, pretty famous uh, preacher. Mm-hmm. Was uh, head of the International Mission Boards, done some books. Um, you know, he's he's pretty famous, uh, pretty well known for his doctrine, being fairly solid and everything, at least within the Baptist circles. Um, and this story isn't really necessarily about him, but about his church. And uh, he's at, he's been a part of growing churches in the past, and he's a part of a growing church right now with several uh, campuses and all that going on. Um, even with all that success though there, people are still being people apparently there's a group of people in the church that is filed a lawsuit an injunction against the church um, because the church has elected three new elders and they feel like the church is going in a direction they don't agree with church did some weird stuff it looks like with this election they held an election and the three new elders were not elected. They did not get the votes. Right. So then at the next election, the church decided to take any member who was on the inactive list. So they, some churches do this. They have membership and you don't get off the membership role unless you die or you move your membership somewhere else. Right. Or in some cases you may be excommunicated, but that's pretty rare. And especially in Baptist churches. Um, but it can happen, but it's pretty rare. So a lot of these churches have really huge membership lists, 
but some churches, it's kind of a more uh, recent thing. They have an active membership list and an inactive list. So the church decided for the second time they were going to try to elect these three new elders. Uh, leadership decided to take everybody on the inactive list and they could cast a vote, but it would have to be a provisional ballot. They also decided that people had to put their names on their ballots and show ID. Right. A lot of small churches just do, you know, yay, nay. Bigger churches may require casting a ballot, you know. Um, there's no laws or, or, or legal stuff involved in that sort of thing for the most part. Right. Unless the church goes and follows with the government, which is the case here. The name of this church is not McLean Bible Church. It is legally McLean Bible Church Incorporated. Right. They are a nonprofit in the state of Virginia. And so they have to follow a constitution and go by certain bylaws that they have filed with the state, which is kind of what brought this lawsuit about. Um, so what they did on the second one is they made any inactive members vote provisional. However, even though they did that, it says here in the article they didn't really need to because they didn't even count those inactive votes. Out of active members, 80% voted to bring in these three new elders. Well, the people who were against these three new elders are upset about this now. They're saying the church kind of cheated uh, by, by changing the rules of the election. But even if they changed it here, it really didn't change what happened, except they did the election, you know, two things in a row. Right. Um, thoughts? Man, of course I got thoughts. Uh, I find it, I, I say I find it, I don't find it strange that uh, American churches are using you know, a democratic process for uh, choosing people um, simply because of my history. You know, I mean, I've been in churches where that's the case, where you uh, have pastors come in in view of a call, and then people vote the next Sunday and they either select the pastor or you find somebody else. Um, I, in today's world, in my life today, I think that's awful. <laughs> I don't like it. Um, there's there's too many situations like this that are gonna come up. Uh, even you know, even in churches that I've been in in the past, you know, it's it's very difficult um, to to remove a pastor. You know, take it the opposite direction. You know, to remove somebody. You know, you have the same voting process, and so you either have to have those people that are going around and, and trying to convince you to vote them out, right? Which winds up in the same thing, you know, that's that's said in this article about how uh, there were a lot of negative emails with inflammatory comments and things like that being passed around to to no vote these guys. Well, talk, right? talk about that. It was. At one of their campuses, right before the first election, yeah. there were literally people in the lobby talking. Allegedly. Allegedly. Saying, hey, don't vote for these three because, you know, they're going to sell the building and they're going to sell it to Muslims and give all the money to the Southern Baptist Convention. Right. Yeah. It just, you know, that's, that's what happens when you, you know, when you convert the church to a government entity. So you're saying the church should not be the government. 
Yes. Okay. Um, now, I mean, I think I should probably clarify for the listeners, because I know that you know that I am inquiring and, and working my way towards the Orthodox Church, where you don't vote on people, right? It's the bishops assign someone, right? And that's just how it goes. Um, and that's okay, because that's the position they were given by Christ. So, uh, I, I'm not a huge fan of letting everyone have a, a vote. Really not a fan of it being you know, limited to a church's constitution um, and people having to show ID and put their names on ballots. That's, that's probably, that is probably a bit much. So, as the listeners will learn, I'm quite Baptist. Yep. And I'm okay with the idea of a congregationally uh, led church. However, I have been involved in churches that were pastor led and was spiritually okay with that for that period of time in that church. Um, I will tell you, though, there's some disturbing things on both sides on this, right? Like you said, it's kind of becoming like it's the government here. Mm-hmm. And we have, in, in America right now, we have a big deal with politics in the church. Yep. Um, politics is, there's a lot of nasty things from politics that bled over into the church. It started years ago, the church decided to start getting more involved in politics because they felt like they needed the influence to change our government. And I know we're going to get to another story on that a little bit. But now we've kind of gone beyond the pale here yep. and it's influencing both ways. It's careful. You gotta be careful who you hang out with, but let me tell you, I, I don't think it's such a bad thing to have a congregationally led church and have voting because I think we see biblical examples of that, um, on a much smaller scale because it was a much smaller thing at the time in acts of needing to, as a group, pick out somebody else. And I think we can seek the spirit as a group. I think that's quite possible. You can't use Acts 1 here, because they didn't take votes. They casted lots. <laughs> casting <laughs> lots is taking votes. No, casting, casting lots is literally throwing sticks like dice on the ground and allowing the, the lots to fall where they may. The Greeks pioneered the whole thing with that. And that's where that black ball thing comes from, right? Mm-hmm. With the white balls and the black balls. No, that's, that's from something else. Okay. Anyway, that, you know, we will find an article in the very near future that we can dig in. We can talk more about specifically. Okay, I see lots. <laughs> um, I don't think it's wrong because I think that you can use that as that's still using the Holy Spirit. I think it is dangerous to put the power into one man's hands because it is quite possible for one man to be corrupt and not listen to the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. It is harder for a whole group to. However, and this is a good example, I'm not saying the church made a bad decision, but you see how a whole group can be affected as well. It's not a guarantee because a group made a decision that it's necessarily the right decision. We see this in politics in our nation too. Mm Um, there, there's ways to uh, 
change what the group thinks. Standing in the lobby, if that's what happened, and talking to these people, and going to their fears that their church, their beloved place they go, would be sold to the Muslims who they're told to hate. Right. Um, you know, that's going to make them do a, a certain way. The article also says that several of those people came back and said they regretted voting against these guys because they felt like they were deceived the first time. Right. And they later learned that wasn't true, but they learned the lies right before the voting happened. All yep. this shows is that they're still we're still a bunch of sinners. Mm-hmm. Okay? We're still in need of grace, and we can really mess things up when we try to become the authority and stuff. And it doesn't matter right. if we have a famous pastor who's well-known. It doesn't matter if we're doing all these things. There's still going to be some evil come in. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I often uh, think of a, a song lyric. I wish I remember where the song it comes from, but it's from a rap song. And it says, who needs the devil when I can self-destruct? Right. You know, we're often our, our biggest enemy. Outsiders from the church world look into this and see Christians and you're just like, what? Why are they doing this? Why are they fighting like this? I thought these are the people who were blessed by God and these are, they're following Jesus, you know? Right. This is in no way following Jesus. And this would make people, some people are going to say, I'm going to fight for my church and I'm going to make this right. And we're going to get on God's side. And other people are going to be like, I'm just going to walk away. Right. I'm tired of the mess. Yep. And when I was younger, I probably would be in the fight side. Nowadays, man, I'd be more on the walk away. And I wonder if that isn't, I, I like to think that's the more um, Christ-like way to deal with it. You know? is to, to to walk away from the, the mess. So I could see how this could hurt that church. And I want to share a quick story. The very first church that I ever served at, I was youth minister at a small Baptist church in South Arkansas. And they, they there was this, this deacon there, this, this very senior deacon. And he told me a story. He said that his wife's parents were part of this church and her grandparents were part of this church. I believe her grandparents had started the church, helped start the church, the you know, founding family type thing. Right. And I had known this guy for several years at this point before I'd even started on staff at that church. I had gone to that church some and I'd known this guy. He's well known to be Mr. Uh, even Kill, Mr. Get Along, you know. But he told me he, he but he's also well known to be Mr. In Charge sometimes. And and he told me, he said that he came to that church, him and his wife joined the church right after they got married because her parents thought that was the right thing to do. But he said he didn't go to church. He went to everything but church. And they had not been going to church for years. And I mentioned earlier about how churches, you know, keep a role. Right. Right. And it was not common back then to keep inactive members as anything separate. It's not necessarily common nowadays. And... His father-in-law calls him up one day and says, Hey, I need you to come to church Sunday. I need both of y'all there. You've got to be there. It's your duty to show up. He hadn't been in years at this point. We got this preacher. This preacher, he's just a sorry sucker. And and we got to get rid of this preacher. And we're going to have a vote. And we need enough votes. Or he's got he's got friends in the church. And we got to get rid of this dude. And I'm I'm, you know, paraphrasing here. So he goes to church Sunday. Him and his wife show up. There are more cars in this church parking lot than have been in that church in years. They got an old dirt parking lot. Everybody's parking in the grass. Just a packed house. Preacher shows up. He goes up to the pulpit that Sunday. 
He knows why all these people are here. He knows why his church building's full. He looks out upon the whole crowd. Every pew's full. And he says, okay, y'all win. I quit. And he walked away. Mm. And, and it's so sad. And he was telling me that he said, you know, he said, I showed up for that. He said, my first thought was, I'm glad I don't have to sit here and listen to a boring sermon. <laughs> and then they were getting ready to go. And he was walking out to the car. Let me tell you, this guy right here, he is six foot five. Big old man. Okay. He said he was walking out to the car. He said he got about halfway. He felt like he just hit a brick wall. He just he just stopped right there. He said he he's never in his life felt like the Holy Spirit talked to him more than right at that moment. He said the Spirit told him, You came here and broke this church. Now you better stay here, stay here and build it back. Mm. And that's why he was a deacon in that church. That's why he'd been at that church for the next 30 something years. Because he broke it. Right. That story, I've always remembered that story. And in that same church later, where he was a deacon, more than once I was up in front of other deacons for some infraction I caused or something or another. And he didn't always necessarily agree with me, but I always remembered his story. Right. You know? And this story reminds me of that so much. Um, I don't have a lot of good to say. It sounds like the church did what they had to do to go where they were going. But man, they caused a lot of bad in the first place. And let me just say, we should not be suing each other. The Bible talks about that mess too. Okay? Christians are supposed to deal with Christians. There's a very clear way of how to deal with things. And never once does it say that you go take them to court. Right. That's just, no matter how big you are, there's no excuse for it. There just really isn't. Um, sometimes things happen in church and you aren't happy with it and you just need to suck it up and go on I talked earlier about I like the congregational thing but I've served under a church where we were pastor led and I didn't always agree with that pastor but I felt like the Lord put them in place gave them the spiritual authority like you mentioned earlier okay right. let it go if they mess up that's that's for them to deal with the Lord the Bible talks about that too you're going to take on that that uh, that that if you're going to have that responsibility you've got it double mm-hmm. you know and the consequences are going to be double so you got to be careful yeah i feel like i'm talking on let me let you get a word in edgewise brian you're good uh, you know you, you brought up the you know christians should be dealing with christians uh we're talking about suing it's it's always impacted me uh, to think about christians suing other Christians or churches or, or however you want to look at it and letting the world decide the fate, right? Letting those that are outside of the church make the choice. Um, like I said, Paul was pretty clear on that and he was clear the opposite direction. And I think it's something that, that we as Christians, especially in America, seem to forget all the time too that it's not the church's place to judge the world. That's Uh God's place. Yeah, it's... We're supposed to judge each other inside the church. And that's it. Wait, wait, what about that Bible verse that says, Thou shalt not judge? Well, now we're not going to preach, but... (laughs) Why not? 
I see it on Facebook all the time. They say, thou shalt not judge. Thou shalt not judge, lest... I don't want to hear no more stuff. No, hang on. You've got to get the rest of the context in here. I don't want to hear that because it'll change. It don't go to my point (laughs) if you add the rest of it, Brian. Right, where where Jesus says, uh, that which you judge with will be judged against you. Uh, That's kind of what he's pointing out here is don't, don't judge rashly, but... Uh, he does also tell us to know each other by our fruits. Um, we weren't even supposed to getting in, get into this. Do not judge so that you will not be judged, right? For in the way you judge, you will be judged, and by your standard of measure, it will be measured against you. I guess my standard better be God's standard. Right. If I make up my own standard, which I'm apt to do, I could get pretty harsh pretty quick. Yep. Yep. So, but I'm, gonna make, I'm not going to read Paul's words. Paul does say that it's, you know, the Christian's place, the church's place to judge inside the church and not those that are outside. Well, and Paul does it himself over and over and over again, right? Let's go to the third chapter of almost any book Paul's written. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm about the third chapter. You know what I mean? He does his introductions and stuff. And then he goes into, you fools, why are you doing this? Nope. Yep, he lays it out and explains why they're wrong, what the problems are. He doesn't say, and now the government says this. Or, you know, the, the emperor says you have to do it this way. He says, this is God's standard. This is, you're in the church, so you must obey to God's standards. So, we do have biblical example, though, where people in the church have gone to the government to judge church things. Mm-hmm. The problem is, do we want to follow that example? Do you know the example I'm, I'm talking about? Not offhand. I mean, there's... Jesus. Oh, well, yes, of course. The Pharisees, you know, they were judging him, and they had their own little trial, but they were a conquered people at the time. Right. And, and so they had to go to the government if they wanted to enact the punishments they wanted. Right. And what did the government do in that case? Uh, Pilate washed his hands and said, it's on you. You know, that's, it, but that's, I, I don't think that necessarily goes to the point that, that you're thinking. That's, in their case, that was them using the government to get what they wanted, right? Not to make the judgment. They had already made the judgment. And just that's, said, what this group's doing. that's what this group is doing yes they're uh, suing because they they don't have any way inside the church to change it right. they didn't lost the election mm-hmm. the leadership's changed so this is a congressional congregational led group but they have elders who have power as well right this is why it's so important of who is the elders of the church because they effectively run the church mm-hmm. um and so this group has lost its it's leadership in the church. It's lost some power or maybe never had the power, but it didn't get the power. So that's why they're going to the government to change that. Right. So th- they're doing the right. same thing. Yeah they're, yeah. they're doing the Pharisee method. Um, it's, it's just sad all around. It is. It is. We got to pick some like encouraging articles. Well, I will tell you, it's been hard. You know I mean? You've discussed this. We, yeah, one of the things I brought up, y'all, to, to, to Brian was I really wasn't 
especially for the first episode, I was like, man, do we want to bring up any of these articles on sexual assault? There are so many. When you go looking at the news feeds for what's happened in the church world, so much stuff on sexual assault. Right. And I feel like we're going to have to talk about it more at some point. And I just don't want to. Not because I want to act like it doesn't happen. I definitely don't want to do that. Right. I feel like it's being talked to death and there's so much going on already. And it just makes me depressed to see the sin and the decay. Yeah. It, it there. seems as if um, the popular, I don't want to say news cycle, but the blogosphere, you know, for Christianity, the, the magazines and whatnot, are following the same methodology as most news sources do. You know, bad news gets the most views. Well, why would that be? Why do they care about the most views? Because they're getting ad money. <laughs> money and power. Money and power. Uh, and I guarantee that's what's at the end of this 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 tussle at the church. Yeah. From this article, I can't tell who is... I, I see wrong on both sides, so I can't tell you. I'm not picking a side here. No. Really not. They both seem to be sinning quite regularly. Yep. Um... Maybe one is sinning to protect against the other's sin, but you're still sinning. Right. Yeah. Um, I will tell you, a Christian does not always appear to defeat their enemies or to win against their enemies. Right. If they are following in the will of the Lord. Vengeance belongs to the Lord, right? Not to us. Yeah. You know, the, yeah. The, what do they say? The, the, the something, the ways don't. Uh, justify the means. The ends don't justify the means. The ends, there you go. Yep. Um, that's so important in a Christian's life because we're told that vengeance belongs to the Lord. Right. We're, that's not for us to, to, to... I'm not saying we should never win. The Lord is the victorious Lord, but I'm just saying we're going to be different. We're going to be weird, as they, as they used to say, right? And we shouldn't always look like the world. And here's a good example. It's possible the right group, and I don't know which side is right, is going to lose. Right. And that is that just might be the Lord's will, you know. Yeah, that uh, it could just be the direction that it's going. And so we've been talking for uh, what forty-five minutes now. That's actually been recorded. Uh, An hour and eleven minutes. Maybe a little more than that. Uh, we want to talk about this last article. Sure. Okay. So, this last one, uh, I sent my wife a picture of all of the different articles that I could choose from because I have them all on my phone so that I can swipe through them and read them. And she said, that's the one you need to talk about. So, this is the one we're talking about. Uh, A majority of American Christians believe the United States has been blessed by God. Hmm. Yeah. Uh... The article comes from uh, Christian Headlines. Um, I don't know if we talked about which place that other one came from, but it was Baptist Press. Um, but this article uh, starts out, it's its really, see, it's another one of those, uh, I don't want to use the word clickbait, but it's basically intended to get people to click on it because it's two paragraphs referencing another article from Barna. Really? Because I couldn't even read the article, so I read one paragraph and then went to the Barna link because you told me this is what it's really talking about. Yep. 
Yeah, that's all that it was. It was it's a, I would have been real mad had I subscribed and just read one more paragraph. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's uh, first so paragraph. Tell us, tell us about Barna. What do you know about Barna before we go Barna, into that? Because Barna's interesting. Barna's very interesting. They are a, uh, a polling research study analytics type of place where they're constantly trying to figure out the, the flow and understand what American culture is doing, where it's headed. Uh, they like to track, you know, presidential polling and uh, everything. If it's well, anything they've got research a, about people, they do They've it. got a very, very particular bent though. Let me, let me read real quick the about thing. It's just one sentence yeah. about Barna Group. Barna Group provides spiritual influencers with credible knowledge and clear thinking, enabling them to navigate a complex and changing culture. So they specifically do this stuff for the church world with kind of that worldview, right? Kind of the American church worldview. Maybe. Uh, I mean, just just based on on that sentence, I mean, I, I would definitely... Now, since we're going to get into that, I, I, I could not say that that is necessarily their worldview um, without really digging into who Barna is. That does not mean that's not the data that they're providing. Right? Data that is useful for that, that type of, of position. Uh, so I, I don't think I could specifically say that they themselves lean towards Christianity or any sort of faith movement. Okay. Just based on that sentence, because you didn't tell me that I needed to research that in advance. <laughs> okay. There is more information on their website. I, I would assert yeah. that they do lean that way. Okay. Um, but they have, especially recently, they've been around for a while, but especially recently become more and more quoted on things. Mm -hmm. I have heard of them multiple times in church. Yeah. From, from leadership saying, Hey, you know, Barna Group says da da da. I've heard them quoted in sermons. Their statistics, their polling, things right. like that. And that's what this this thing's about. I'll let you go on about what what this article is about because yeah. it's very important what what they found here. Yeah, it seems that there was a um, slight increase um, in self-identified Christians who say that. America has been a Christian country historically. Um, it went from 29% to 33% in just the last couple of years. Uh, they took this data specifically because of all of the recent events with COVID, presidential election, uh, etc. cetera. Uh, they wanted to, they had done the study in 2019 and then decided to do it again after all of these events to see if anything had changed because of the political turmoil that's been going on for the last two and a half years. Um, so there was that increase um, out of all U.S. adults, not necessarily those identifying as Christians, it stayed the same at 26%. Uh, so there seems to be a, a fairly substantial group of people that think uh, the United States is a Christian country. Um, it goes into several other uh, key points. Uh, historically, the United States has been a leader to the rest of the world. Uh, that increased in self-identified Christians by a couple of percentage points. 
So what do you what do you think about that yourself? I don't. Are you a self-identified Christian? I am. I am a self-identified Christian. Uh, I guess according to their their polling, um, I would hope that others identify me as a Christian just naturally, but. We'll stick with self-identified. I, I didn't realize an insult. Uh, I was trying to be funny because we're using self-identified Christian. Well, well I, 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 yeah. Uh, I, I don't, I don't land in the United States historically has been a Christian country. Um, I don't necessarily strongly disagree uh, because I do think that there has been a strong Christian undertow but I don't think as a nation it was founded to be a Christian nation explicitly. It was founded by Christians who were fleeing from persecution, uh, specifically Puritans, um, but I don't think it was specifically founded to be a Christian lighthouse to the world. So is that your definition of what a Christian country would be? Because I think that's the thing is, what is a Christian country? Right. right. It's definitely not a theocracy. Right. I think we can we can say that it's explicitly not a theocracy. It's not, but I think some people would prefer that. And they look for their leaders to be Christian. Right. I can give some examples of theocracies that did not work. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it's a... Uh, you're right. I think there are people that would, would like for it to be, um, because again, comes back to just like in the last article, power and money. You know, as long as it's my side, of course I want it to be, you know, want them to be in charge, want them to follow my ways, but it just doesn't work. Well, you know, it's a, it's a conversation I've had a lot, especially over the last several years with politics and, and y'all, if you're listening I don't know who'd be listening after all this point, but if you were listening, uh, you should know that I, I've come from a history of being a part of the Tea Party movement, being a Republican Party member, uh, serving with them in different capacities, and being quite conservative, and finding myself leaning not as conservative. Um, I wouldn't call myself a liberal, but I'm definitely quite libertarian at this point in life because I've kind of become disheartened with a lot of the conservative movement. And one of the, I don't feel like my views changed that much. I feel like they changed on me, but that's another story. Um, but one of the questions, you know, over and over is when we're electing leaders, do we care if they're a Christian? And I think that goes in this Christian country thing. In my opinion, I want our leaders to be Christian because I think being a Christian is the right decision. Right. And if they can't get that decision right in their life, how are they going to make a right decision on picking what, you know, spending money on roads and taxes and on the rest of this stuff? Right. I do not want my church leading the country. And I'm okay if they don't have the exact same flavor as Christian as me. But if they can't make the right decision on Jesus, I'm not sure I would judge them well as a leader. Right. So when we say, is the United States been a Christian country? I really don't know what a Christian country is, but I agree with what Brian said there. You said that, you know, we were started by Christians. Right. And some non-Christians mm -hmm. and some varying levels of things, but it was primarily, that was the dominant amount of people were, were would probably self-identify as Christian at the time. 
Right. Um, and I think that's been the case in our country for a long time. I do think we are moving rapidly into a post-Christian uh, society. Yeah. Now, a topic for another day. Uh, I was listening to uh, Father Andrew. I think it was probably on his Areopagus podcast. Uh, he and someone way back many, many, many episodes ago uh, described the U.S. as no longer being post-Christian, uh, but becoming a pre-Christian nation. Um, <laughs> you know, going that far full circle to coming back around towards, you know, potentially there you know, could be persecution mov- movements, but it's primed for true Christianity to, to jump back in and say, this is what it should be. Which I think it probably be a pretty interesting experience. But uh, what so. about this second part about the United States has been a leader to the rest of the world? Because that don't necessarily have to do with Christianity. But I notice in these numbers that when they do all U.S. adults, it's stuck at thirty-nine percent. Right. But in their self-identified Christians, it was forty-two percent, and then went up to forty-four. So I, it, it appears that self-identified Christians have increased of who think that the United States is a leader in the rest of the world. What do you think? Have you think we've been a leader to the rest of the world? Oh. Historically. Historically. Which is what the question was, historically. Historically, I think, um, I think we've tried. I I don't think we've always been as successful as we could have been. Um, I didn't say were we a good leader. Right. Um, I, I don't think that we were a terrible leader maybe maybe right on the verge of being an okay leader but I, I do think that we have we've been looked at by the rest of the world to make decisions for the last almost hundred years now I feel like I agree with that um, I feel like we have lost a lot of influence yeah over the last 30 years or so yeah I'm not sure that we're as much of a leader as we've been in the past so right. it surprises me that another important part of that question is in 2019, 3% of self-identified Christians said they did not think uh, historically the United States has been a leader of the rest of the world. But in 2021, that went up to 6% who thought. So those numbers increased as well. Right. Um, and interestingly, in, when you did all U.S. adults, it was at 4% and went up to 6% there. Yep. So it's you're weeding out the middle and it's you're you're sliding to the ends oh see we're getting off into politics here right. a little bit but the problem is politics has been into the church world quite a bit yep and this is what this this is what's so interesting about this article here you picked is that politics has affected the church world right a lot so very much yeah so what do you, you want to go over this next section? It's it's interesting. Yeah, I was going to say, what do you think about the next one where the United States has been blessed by God? Uh, 36% in 2019 of Christians said that it was. 38% in 2021. I think that's true. Not because we're the United States, we're so great. But I right. think it's important that we recognize that we have been blessed by God. We have been a leader to the rest of the world historically. We've only been possible because the Lord has has blessed us. Um, we should have not have been a nation in the first place. We should have lost. 
right. I believe the Lord blessed us with that. I believe I see why that number went up some because I think this whole COVID crisis that's been going on, I think that we've been blessed in that too. The news hypes a bunch of stuff and the truth is COVID's real and it's happened. I don't know that it's quite as bad as some things say, but it's also worse than some people say. Right. And the truth is that we got a lot of vaccines awful quick and they haven't done a hundred percent, but they've probably saved some people. And I think the Lord is, is, is to, is to, to be attributed to that. Um, I think, we can see biblically the Lord has blessed people who weren't necessarily believers all the time. I think a majority of people in the U.S. are not believers, but I do think the Lord has blessed our country. Yeah, I, I think so. I think uh, uh, I, th- I think we've been we've been blessed. I, I don't know if we continue down the paths that we have for the last several years that we'll continue to be blessed. Oh, uh, worry about that. And that's that's more concerning than if we've historically been blessed um you know as we as we get further and further away from from god um because it's we won't get into that um as as we get further away i think it's going to be harder and harder for us to actually be blessed um so, yeah, uh, it's kind of scary, but it's the direction that we're going, and we just continue to pray for the pray for the nation, pray for the people. Well, that brings us to the second question, right? What do you think about that second question? Has the nation been chosen by God? Is that the question you're looking at? Yes, historically. Um, that is a very dangerous position to be in. Yeah, I mean, if you look at, at Israel, Israel was explicitly chosen by God, right? And as they failed him, he warned them and said, if you keep doing this, you're you're going to go into exile. I'm, I'm going to, to stomp you out. And he did. He expects his chosen to be obedient, to be faithful. So you think we've been chosen by God, the no, nation? I sure hope not. Okay. Uh, and the direction you, just a minute ago you was talking about you, you, you worry about the wrath right and now oh, you're yeah. saying the wrath comes by those who are to, to oh. those who are chosen I didn't say wrath <laughs> putting words in my mouth uh, I, I said it was harder to be blessed yeah, the further that we get away from God the further we are from his grace right which means that there's far less grace that's going to to, to naturally flow upon us because the, the sun shines on the, the righteous and the unrighteous, it rains on the righteous and the unrighteous. There are blessings that are going to be natural, right? But to get glimpses of his holiness, you have to be close to him. And if you're, if you're running away from him, it's harder to see his holiness. Very interesting. I see on these numbers, in, in all U.S. adults, when we go from 2019 to 2021, it increased by 1% from 17% to 18% that they agreed that historically right. the United States was chosen by God. But the strongly disagree went from 17% to 19%. It's the same thing we were seeing in the other numbers. It's the extremes on both sides. Yep. It's squeezing out the middle. And yet, 
in self-identified Christians, it went from 20% agree to 24% agree. Yep. And that carved out of the middle, but the end actually went down a little bit too, went from 10% to 9%. I think that has changed from 2019 to 2021 because of the pandemic, because of COVID stuff. Right. Uh, people want to believe in something. And I think that Christians are in a unique place to find hope in the Lord. Yeah. I don't think it's such a bad idea for them to think that. Is that the case or not the case? I'm not really sure is our nation chosen by God per se. Right. But I'm pretty glad that I was I was born here. Oh yeah. Um yeah. you know, I'm not your super duper patriotic wave the flag person. I do love my country. Um and and and, and I'm not would not diss my country or anything like that. I'm on this team. Right. But I worry about sometimes us being too country and not Christ, not enough Christian. We're so patriotic that we forget we serve the Lord first. Because I will tell you, I, I'm a member of the kingdom first before right. I'm a member of the United before I'm a citizen of the United States, you know? Yep. yep. Now now that would have been a good segue into the other article that I wanted to do, which was about Christian nationalism. We'll talk about that next time. Uh, ah. But Okay. This other one is interesting. Are we going to get into those? Those get far more political. I think we should. Okay. So, so go, ahead. go ahead. You do it. So, historically, the United States has been a nation of immigrants. Uh, all U.S. adults went from 51% to 49% that strongly agree. 45. And, or 45%, sorry. Um, in self-identified Christians, it went from 50% to 44%. So the same amount of drop. Right. What, what do you think here? Have we historically been a nation of immigrants? I find it incomprehensible <laughs> that we could... That, that, what the, what's all the other numbers? Uh, someone agrees at 30%, disagrees 18%. Somewhat disagrees four, strongly disagrees three. So that's seven, uh, 15% of people, you know, disagree that we're a nation of immigrants. I find it incomprehensible that anybody would disagree we're a nation of immigrants. Right. We're in the United States of America. Walk around someplace. I. <laughs> I, yeah, I just don't even know what to say and why I don't understand why that number would drop I want to actually no that's not true at all I don't know why right. I'm saying that I do know why that number dropped yeah. that number drops because we are very much a nation who is scared of immigrants right and I don't know that that's such a new thing I think we see it a lot more Oh, yeah. We hype it up, but we've been making fun of immigrants for a long time and segregating them. Most people don't realize that our government in World War II rounded up everybody who looked like they might be Japanese and right. put them in internment camps. Yep. Okay. We, you know, we used to hate Irish people and uh, Italian people and different things. I say we, our government in general. Yeah. Not just our government, our people. Our people. Yeah. Our people. Yeah. And 
I find all that, it all that history just proves we are a nation of immigrants. Right. Yeah. I, fi- I find it interesting that you know. I mean, if if we're Christians, right, who affirm creation as it's written in the Bible, then all of humanity started in one place, which means every nation, by definition, is a nation of immigrants, right? They had to move. They had to move in. You know, it's it's not... We didn't just magically appear here, right? We had to get here somehow. Even science and evolution and things like that don't teach you magically appearing. Right. True. I, yeah. I just don't... And that leads... And the reason why I, I theorize that that number has dropped leads to the second question. What? Historically, the United States has been oppressive to minorities. For all U.S. adults, strongly agree was 22% and then 22%. But in self-identified Christ, uh, Christians, it went from 19% to 17%. This is that political thing he's worried about. What do you think? Man, we... I mean, you even talked about it, you know, how the Irish were, were treated, the uh, the Italians were treated. I mean, my, my great-grandparents came here from Italy during that time. You know, I mean, it was, it was, a, it was a big deal, right? It's... Clearly, there's been a... a mistreatment of the minority. Right at, at the very least, if you if you don't want to go as far as saying oppressive, right, it's definitely mistreatment historically. You know, I, I think just like with defining a Christian country, I think we would have to define oppression in this case. Are we talking about rounding up the Japanese and putting them in internment camps? Then yes, we've done that, right? Are we talking about burning people at the stake? Oh, yeah, we've done that too, right? There, there has to be some sort of clear understanding that yes, we have been those people and we should repent for it. I'm just thinking about all the things we've done. Have we gotten our buddies together and went down and shot up the other side of town and killed massive amounts of people and burned all their houses just because we didn't like the color of their skin? Yeah. What? It's ridiculous to think that people would think we are not historically a nation that's been oppressed by minorities. I guess that we don't want to think that's the case. Right. You know, and I will say this is not 1963 anymore. Right. The world is a different place now. It's not perfect. We still have work to do. I think we've improved some things. Mm -hmm. A lot of things have improved a lot. It's not 1863 either. But, historically, the United States has been oppressive to minorities. Yeah. What has been a minority in the United States has changed to some extent. And I think even now, it's the case. And I'm trying to guard what I say so our podcast doesn't get delisted. Right. But let me say it this way. The minority is not always the same people or the same group it changes over time right um and that's happening in our country as well 
And I don't think the oppression of the minority is changing. Just who is the minority is changing. Right. Which one's being oppressed today? Do what? I say, which one's being oppressed today? Right. And let's just add some context for our readers. We are both young white males. Right. Well, I'm young. I don't know about you, but uh, young may be a hard-pressed thing. I guess we're almost middle-aged now. Mm. Yeah. We got like kids and all that stuff too, right? Right. Um, but so we're going to look at things from that perspective. Um, you know, we're both fairly successful in life. We've got a lot of uh, material blessings and things. We don't live in poverty. We're both solidly middle class, etc. Um, so there's that point that, you know, we're looking at this from that point. But, and that has historically been the majority in our country, right? That might be oppressive to minorities. But I just can't see where people would think that we weren't oppressive to minorities without just denying what's actually happened. Right. Now you talk about repentance and we can talk about what repentance looks like for that. And are you responsible for the people who were mean to your great grandparents? Nope. I say mean, I'm not trying to, to downplay how they were treated. Right. I don't really know what happened. Who, who oppressed your great grandparents? Are you responsible for that? Right. But what does repentance as a nation look like for that? And what has continued because of what happened back then? You know, we can go into things like redlining and districts and things like that. Just where people are from has to do with what happened in the past. Right. And that's a big thing that's really controversial in our nation today. And I talked earlier about how we shouldn't have so much politics in church, but we should have social things in our church. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's been said, and I can't, I wish I could remember who to attribute the quote to, that the most segregated day in America is Sunday morning. Mm. because so much of our churches are segregated right I know I told you recently we joined a church and one of the things we look around when we were looking at churches is are there different folks here are there different cultures and different uh, peoples and things there um, and you see that in some churches in some of the church world and I think we're getting more diversity in the Christian church world the American church world right but I think in some ways we have less because we Americanize the whole thing so much. Um, mm-hmm. So that's, that's stuff to, to, to think about with that. So when I think about all those things, uh, to go back to this question, historically the United States has, has definitely been oppressive to minorities. Doesn't mean we have to continue to be that way. Right. That's where as the church, we can influence that. We can start with ourselves to, to, to end that oppression that has happened in the past and to help change it even if we had nothing to do personally with it actually happening right you know the effects of that oppression still exist in our society and we can help change those effects even though we had nothing to do with it because let me tell you it being a Christian means we are following Christ and we no longer can serve self right. if I'm serving self, I'm going into preaching again. We're not supposed to be preaching on this podcast. But if I'm serving self, then I only care if I had something to do with it, right? Right. But if I'm to serve others, that's a whole other story. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's all I really got to say on that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think uh, the rest of that article uh, gets, they actually split things down, Republican and Democrats. So I think that's 
that gets too far on the politics side of, of things and outside of the, the church realm. Um, so for the listeners, you know, I mean, obviously we're going to link that, that both of those articles so you can go and take a look at it for yourself. But, um, Matt, you've had, uh, had a good last word there. Do you have anything else? We've talked about a lot of different things and controversies in the Christian world, the church world right now and everything. Um, I think one thing that's important for us to bring up, especially in our first episode here, and as we talk about these things, is that there is hope. Um, We're talking about things in the church world and how churches and Christians and all this stuff there is hope out there just because we're talking about some negative things that's in itself a sign that the church is still alive in America. We talked about post, you know, post Christian America, but the church is not dead. Right. Uh, popular movie, right? God is not dead. Uh, the church is not dead. His bride is still here. And, uh, I'm, I hope that through this podcast, we can bring y'all more stories of the church and what's happening in the church world. And there won't always be negative. I've got some positive things to talk about as well. Yeah, um, I get a, I'm sorry, I'll let you finish. No, go ahead. Say, yeah, I, I've still got several articles, um, some of them less negative. Um, I think uh, I think that would probably be a, a good direction, you know, to add at least something in that's not quite so negative. Um, I, I've really enjoyed getting to sit back and, and talk and, and talk out some of these things. Um, you know, for the listeners that don't, I know Matt's already said that he and I have been friends for a while. Um, he and I usually go to lunch once a week, and this is what we sit around and talk about at lunch. So we finally just said, let's make it a podcast and actually record us talking about it. So um, I think we've uh, we've made a good start. Uh, got some some good things here that I think we can share with people. And I hope that uh, that everyone really enjoys it as much as we've enjoyed talking about it. 